0: God's people said, amen, amen, Amen. what a a great message in that song and a great job on that song and and appreciate that very much, so let's talk about our prayer needs today, take an opportunity for anything that's on your heart that we need to pray about as a family and uh, and just share those things and then bring them before the Lord together, so what, what are some prayer needs that you might have today? Anything at all? Yes. Okay. All right. Those are always fun. So, root canal. We'll keep that in our prayers. Yeah. Oh, you didn't hear? See, I'm going to hear that. Yeah, root canal. Yeah. All right. What else? Yeah. Anything else you need to pray about? Sir, yeah. Pray for our country. Absolutely. You bet. What else? Okay. Debbie, she's had her biopsy but haven't gotten the results back yet, so we're waiting on those. So we're praying for those results, and and we'll look forward to, uh, to hearing the uh, results of that this week, but we'll continue to lift her up in our prayers as we wait on those. Yes. All right, yeah had an injury, had surgery, and all those things happened, and so now you're back and able to practice and doing better, so we just pray that that continues. We praise And you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where we're going to take our text today, and while you're turning there and preparing for that, I want to share a few thoughts with you about the Super Bowl. And not directly about the Super Bowl, but about the preparation for that. When the season began back several months ago, statistics, I did a little bit of research, tell us that there were about 120, or 125,000 people that were um, personnel from all aspects, from players to coaches to trainers to medical staff to the front office people. All of those people involved in 32 football teams 120 to 125,000 people engaged in, in the work and the effort of those 32 teams. And all of those people began on a single journey. They all had one goal, one purpose, and that was that on the first Sunday in February, when that day ended, that they would be the one team that was left standing. Guess what they want to be? They want to be the winners. They want to win it all and be crowned world champions. They began to practice. They began to prepare. They spent millions and millions of dollars. Many, many, many man hours were invested for this one single solitary purpose. And that was to be the winner of the Super Bowl. Guess what? At the end of today, out of those hundred plus thousand people and all the fans and everyone, there are 53 players who will be able to say at the end of the day, we won the Super Bowl, we are the world champions. That's it. From 120 to 25,000 people who began the journey to the end of the day today, 53 players who can say, We are the world champions of this Super Bowl. I think about that and the idea that there's only one winner. And I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 24. Listen to what Paul writes as he writes to the church at Corinth. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Just one winner is what Paul said. Run in such a way that you may win. He wants us to be winners. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, remember what I always say: when you see the word "therefore," ask yourself the question, "What's it there for?" Therefore, he says, based off these things I've just said to you, that everybody runs. There's only one winner. That everybody competes. There's only one who gets the prize. He says, Therefore, he says, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul says, I compete... In such a way that I'm going to win. I want to be the winner when I get to the finish line. I want to be first. I want to compete in such a way, he says, that I I don't run without aim. In other words, when I'm running, there's a purpose. There's a goal. There's a finish line that I'm headed toward. He says that when I box, I don't box like somebody just throwing wild punches at nothing and in the air. He says, I, I box with intent. I box with purpose He says I, I'm going to win the fight If you would today And so he says every one of us Needs to run the race and, and we need to run it in such a fashion That we're going to be winners So how do we do that? How do we compete? How do we run the race? How do we fight the fight? And, and do it in such a way That we are winners There's just two things I want to talk to you about from this text today that are important for us to understand if we want to be winners. First one is this. You have to know who you're competing against. Now, I played a little football back when I was in high school. And I can tell you that when we were preparing for a football game, we watched a lot of film. We watched a lot of film of the other team. Because we wanted to know who our competition was. We wanted to know what their abilities were and what their skills were. We learned from those films their tendencies. Uh, you know, if a back was going to run to the left, did he lean a little bit to the left when he took his stance? Uh, if, if he was going to run straight ahead or, or if they lined up in this formation, how many times did they run this play? How many times did they run to the left or to the right? We learned about our competition in order to prepare ourselves to be able to defend them and to beat them, to, to defeat them. And so it's important if we're going to run the race of the spiritual life, if we're going to run the race of the kingdom of God, that we know who the enemy is. And that we know who the competition is. And we know what they're like so we can be prepared for whatever they are going to throw our way so that we can defend and defeat. So Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And he defines for them who the enemy is you see our competition when we look around today so only one wins right there's only one winner so so is everybody else here going to be losers if i'm going to be the one winner is our competition other churches is our competition other christians is our, our competition people of other faith or other belief systems is our competition? Maybe it's, it's non believers. Maybe it's people who don't look the way that we look. Maybe the competition or, or the opposition, if you would, are those who are from a different place than we are. Their skin's a different color. They talk a little bit different. Maybe it has something to do with their political stance and the way that they vote. Who's the competition? Who is it that's on the other side of the aisle that we want to defeat and defend against? Well, Paul writes in Ephesus chapter 6, and he defines that for us. Finally, he says, beginning in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the uh, firm against the schemes of the devil." He says, I want you to be prepared for the fight. I want you to get ready, put on the full armor so that you can be prepared to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And then notice what he says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let's stop right there. So all of those people that I listed a moment ago, according to to Paul as he writes to the church at Ephesus, they are not the enemy. They are not the opposition who are fighting on the other side. Sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we think that way. Sometimes we've even been taught that way. But the fact of the matter is, anybody that I just mentioned that is flesh and blood, doesn't matter what their color of skin, doesn't matter their nationality, Doesn't matter whether they are a believer or an unbeliever. Doesn't matter if they're in some other belief system that doesn't believe in the God that we believe in and doesn't accept that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Doesn't matter if they vote differently than we do. Politically, they take stand. They are not the enemy. They may be tools of the enemy, but they are not the enemy. Our struggle, he says, is not against flesh and blood. He says, but let me tell you who it is against. Let me tell you who is the opposition that you want to defend and defeat. He says, but it is against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. He says, you need to know the enemy. In order to defend and defeat the enemy, you've got to know who they are. It's not any person who has flesh and blood just like you and I. I don't care who they are. I don't care how evil they are or how how many horrible things they have done in life. They are not the And the the more that we understand that, the better that we comprehend that, the better we can be prepared to fight against the real enemy. Sometimes we spend so much time fighting against other people and the things that they say and do that that we're not really fighting the real enemy. And he says, if you're going to be prepared to defend and defeat, you've got to know who the enemy is. Our, Our race and our fight are against evil forces. And in order to know the enemy, we have to know how they're going to attack us. The first thing I would tell you is this, is he is the originator, he is the creator of all lies. It began all the way back in the garden, and it's never stopped. From that moment forward, the evil one has sought to lie to us, and, and to, to convince us to believe things that were not true, He has sought to deceive us, to misdirect us, to lure us away from our faith and trust in God, then He will make us spend all of our time and all of our energy and all kinds of things that will not help us to defend or defeat. Because if He can get us busy with those things, then he opens up an opportunity for attack. The Scripture says that he will kill, he will steal, he will devastate, he will destroy, he will attack. The Scripture defines him this way. He's like a roaring lion roaming around seeking someone to devour. That's who the enemy is. He's looking for someone that is weaker than him. Someone who is not prepared for him. Someone who doesn't see him coming. Someone that he has deceived and lied to and and convinced that their fight is against someone or something else and it's not against him. And they get so busy fighting over here that they become vulnerable. And that's when he pounces and that's when he attacks and that's when he comes after us. So Paul writes today and he says, if you're going to run the race... And you're going to run to win you got to know who the enemy is you got to know who, who the opposition is And how they plan to come at you And he says You've got to have faith to stand firm you, you get the image, right? Talking about boxing a minute ago He said he's going to get back And he's going to run And he's going to come to you as hard as he is And the idea is he's, he wants to just knock you over He wants to bowl you over And knock you flat in life and, and Paul writes, and he says, listen, when you've done everything you can, then you stand firm. You stand your ground and your faith in God, and your belief in God, and your trust in God. And that He is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. And he says, if you will prepare and you will stand firm, then you have a chance to defeat and to defend. But he said, if you don't, you're in trouble you're in serious, serious trouble. So the second thing then is how do we compete? How do we prepare to compete? How do we get ready for this contest? Everyone who competes exercises self-control in all things, Paul said. He's writing and he says, listen, everyone who competes exercises self-control in all things. He said there is great Discipline and preparation. Paul and those who he's writing to here would have been very familiar with the Isthmian Games. Those games were, were kind of precursors to our Olympics. They took place in Corinth. Okay? So these people in Corinth are going to know about competition, they're going to know about opposition, they're going to know about what it means to discipline oneself and train to win. Because these games happened every two years. And these games were in honor of the god of the sea, which is Poseidon. And we don't believe in that, but that's what they believed, right? And this is what they practiced. And so this was a very important thing that happened every two years. It was a physical athletic competition as well as musical. I find that interesting that those two things went together. But I guess it was culture... And, and athletics uh, or, or whatever But those two things were part of the competition Every two years They had this competition In order to even be considered To compete in these games You had to have trained For a minimum of ten months Some people trained their whole life To compete in these games And to be victorious To win a crown And you know what the crown was? It was just a little, little wreath It's all that it was But they were going to compete for the crown, and so they had to prepare. They had to practice. They had to discipline themselves. And there were things that they did continually to prepare in order to compete because they wanted to win. I think about when it comes to running the race of life. In the Christian faith, how much do we prepare? How much discipline do we have? How, how committed are we to practice and training and preparing? Being in the Word, studying the Word of God. Being in prayer, communicating to the Heavenly Father. Uh, allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God and understanding the will of God. How much time do we spend? How much discipline do we have? How much dedication? How much investment of energy and resources in our lives do we spend preparing to know the enemy and to to put on the full armor of God to stand against the enemy? Let me ask you this question. Most everyone's familiar with the idea of the Super Bowl. Well, suppose the two teams that are going to compete today had spent as much time... Preparing for the Super Bowl as you prepare for your spiritual life. Suppose that they had practiced as much as you practice. Suppose that they had studied the playbook or the opposing team as much as you study the Word. Suppose that all of their preparations were equivalent to your preparations for the spiritual fight and the spiritual race that we're in. Would they be in the Super Bowl? Is there enough practice, enough preparation, enough of doing what needs to be done? Would they be in the Super Bowl? And if they were in the Super Bowl, would they stand any chance of winning? Being the winner. Being number one. If they prepared the way we prepare. If they were disciplined the way we're disciplined. If, if they were dedicated the way we're dedicated. Would they be there? Competing to, to be known as the best in the world? their preparation was the same as ours in our spiritual fight. Because here's the thing. Here's the idea. They compete for a title. They compete for a trophy, a ring, and roughly about $250,000. We compete for the crown of life that we will possess for all eternity in the presence and the glory of God in the kingdom of heaven. Which one is worth more effort? Which one is worth more discipline and dedication and commitment and faithfulness to do everything that we can to be the winners? Well, This morning we're going to offer an invitation to him. And the invitation is always about decisions in our life, directions that we're taking, things that we're doing. Perhaps today you've looked and examined these two things and said, you know what, my preparation isn't near what it should be. My practice isn't near what it should be. I'm not ready to stand firm against the competition, and I want to change that today. Maybe you're here and you've never named the name of Jesus and made Him Lord and Savior and Master of your life. You stand no chance of winning without Him. And so today, maybe there's a decision on your heart that you need to make as we, as we sing this song, as we stand to sing this song. If there's a decision on your heart, won't you come?